0: He trained her on how to have yaqeen. And he trained her, trained her that with yaqeen, with dua, comes effort. That's the formula. Dua plus effort equals results. Dua with yaqeen plus effort equals results. And so she remembered this advice. And she, when she went up to Safa, saw nothing. She went to Marwa, she saw nothing. Then the yaqeen kicked in. And she remembered okay, Allah's gonna make something impossible happen. I just have to keep doing this. So she was willing to go to Safa Marwa, Safa Marwa for as long as it would take until Allah would make the impossible possible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after seven rounds, made the impossible possible and gave her much, much more than what she asked for. Did Hajar aislam, was Hajar aislaam looking for a spring of water or just a few drops to make her baby satisfied? Few drops. But the law of abundance kicked in, and Allah showed Hajar a.s., listen, when you make dua for me with yaqeen, and you show me your efforts, I will not only make the impossible possible, I will give you much, much, much more than you asked for. This is called barakah. Until today, that water is flowing, subhanAllah, the well of Zamzam. So you wanna know if you have yaqeen or not? After you make dua, ask yourself, how do you feel? Are you scared? Are you sad? Are you anxious? Are you frustrated? Are you disappointed? Are you angry? Or are you happy and calm? So which which one of these emotions should you have? Happy and calm. It's a done deal. Allah promised you it's done. Be happy. That Allah gave you the opportunity to make dua. And be calm. Why? Because it's a done deal. Allah promised you you have yaqeen. And you know, we always hear about spiritual people, people of like, you know, who have reached a high level of spirituality. They are people whose du'as are answered, right? That's why you have this, you know, ignorant people go to them to seek, uh, you know, their du'as, acceptance. That's why when they die, people worship worship them and and bow down to their graves. Why? Because they were people who understood yaqeen. And so we need to also be people who understand yaqeen, understand this idea of belief. Now the third thing is, Allah said, ask me and I will give you, correct? But there's the third element here. Allah will give you when you ask. But the question is, are you ready to receive or not? And this is where most people also fail. We ask, Allah responds, but we are not ready to receive. And it never comes. It never comes. So for example, someone wants to, let's say someone is, let's say he's worth 10,000 dinars, but he's struggling in debts and problems and he doesn't know how to manage his money and before the end of the month, his, his savings are finished, no salary left and no savings. And he's always in debt and borrowing. Does this guy know how to manage 10,000 dinars? No, right? So when he makes dua for Ya Allah, I want 100,000 dinars, is he ready to receive the 100,000 dinars? Yes or no? No. So out of Allah's mercy, this dua will not be accepted. If it was accepted, he would be in more trouble. Because a man who cannot manage 10,000 dinars, can he manage 100,000 dinars? You tell me. So what does this person have to do for this dua to be accepted? What does he have to do? He has to start learning how to manage the 10,000 dinars and prove to Allah that, Ya Allah, I'm ready now. He should prove to Allah, Ya Allah, I, I know how to manage this. Okay? Similarly with people who want to get married, right? I keep coming back to marriage, I don't know why. But you, are you ready to get married? You've been making dua for so long. You want to get married. It's not happening. Have you asked yourself, am I ready? Have I even read a book about marriage? Have I attended a workshop about what it means to be married? Do I even know what kind of woman I want to marry, what kind of man I want to marry? You ask yourself these questions. Am I ready or no? Don't just ask make du'a like that. Ask yourself, are you ready or no? <laughs> so as above, so below. This is another law, right? Allah says that I will give you if you are ready for it. I will give you if you're ready for it. If you're ready to accept. So in a nutshell, negative thoughts are low vibration, positive thoughts are high vibration. When you make du'a, the uh, du'a is immediately answered, right? But then what makes it likely that you will accept your du'a will be accepted? The high positive vibrations. Okay, when you're happy and peaceful and joyful and loving, you're ready to accept. But if you spend your day and your week and your month miserable and angry and upset and stressed out, are your vibrations high or low? They're low. So when the du'a is coming to be accepted, are you ready to receive? No. Your vibrations don't match. Allah's vibrations are always high. Make sense? Okay? So, taqwa, guys. Protect your thoughts. You wanna maintain that happy mindset, that positive mindset, that um, you know, mindset of loving each other and not a negative mindset of hatred and jealousy and anger and str- stress. So use your protection. Like you, you need to be extra careful, extra sensitive. That's what taqwa is, not letting these, this pain and suffering enter your world. Make like a border to protect yourself from all this pain and suffering. It's out there. It's everywhere, right? The world is filled with pain and suffering and negativity. But taqwa is to protect yourself. You have that shield, that protection. You seal it out. And fujur is when there's that opening. You allow this pain to come come in. Right? And Allah says, Allah has given you the choice. You can either allow the... <laughs> the fujur to happen, to allow that pain to come in and you suffer then, you blame yourself for your suffering, or you have taqwa and you protect yourself. So be sensitive. And there's no, no surprise that Allah ends Surah an nas or He ends the Quran with Surah Al-Nas, right? It's the Surah of Shushu, basically. The final chapter of the Quran is about Shushu the last message from Allah to us, to, to warn us, to remind us of his danger. Don't underestimate his enmity towards you. So be sensitive to what you see. If you are watching Pakistani dramas that are filled with negativity and crying and divorce and fights and arguments and you know, husbands and wives cheating with one another, guess what? this is negative energy that's going to come back to you. This is this is the law. It's going to come back. If you are someone who is, all you do is listening to songs that are about sadness, and, oh, she left me, and I used to love her so much, and, you know, it was such good times, and I will never forget her. This music, op- you know, according to spiritual uh, scholars, music, like uh, a string of music, unlocks or opens the heart, right? So whatever you allow after the music starts in your heart, this fills your heart. So if you're opening it with all this negativity and sadness and regret and, you know, living in the past, you're going to attract this messed up things in your life. And be care- beware who you're with. Sometimes being around negative people makes you negative. So choose positive people. Be around positive people. Be around people who give you hope and optimism. They give you energy. You you feed off their energy. And you know, negative people there I know there are many of them, right? You have to try to distance yourself from them and you know in a in a tricky and nice and you know graceful way. But you have to stay away from them. And wallahi, when you start being sensitive to these things, the moment someone does something negative, you, you catch it like that oh man, she's being, uh, she's being pessimistic. She's complaining about her boss. She's complaining about her job. He's complaining about not getting a raise. He's complaining about the weather. He's complaining about the kids not listening to her. He's complaining about you know the food not being ready on time. You, you immediately capture this negativity, right? But you have to clean it first. Clean yourself to be able to realize this. So part three, inshallah. Part three, and we'll end. Okay? Am I taking too long? Yes, I know you guys have work tomorrow and kids need to sleep and all that. Bear with me, inshallah. Step three, we're over, inshallah. So step-by-step prayer. So what does Salah start with? The Adhan, right? Allahu Akbar. And then also, Allahu Akbar in your? Salah. Allahu Akbar doesn't mean Allah is the greatest. Unfortunately, usually it's translated as Allah is the greatest. It's actually Allah is greater than and then you fill in the blank. So Allah is greater than your sins. Allah is greater than your problems. Allah is greater than your desires. And Allah is greater than your fears and your challenges. You start off your prayer with this statement. I'm leaving everything behind, you, Allah, right? You're lifting your hands, everything is behind me. I'm being present with you. And you are greater than everything else. And if you hear the adhan and you're watching TV, Allah is greater than TV. Allah is greater than that cricket match, even if it's the final, and even if Pakistan's playing against India. Allah is greater than that. Allah is greater than that video game. Allah is greater than the last show of the drama, last, la- the last episode of the series, of the season. Allah is greater than your kids. Allah is greater than the food. Anything that's distracting you, Allah is greater than that. And the Prophet, you know, Aisha describes him as saying that he, when he would be in the house, he would play with the kids and you know he would be, you know, spending time with family. But the moment Adhan went off, what would happen? He says he would get up and immediately leave the house as if he completely turned into a different person. He would detach himself immediately. Because Allahu Akbar. He understood this. So what are your priorities? Is Allahu Akbar in your life? Or are other things a bigger priority in your life? And then the wudu, right? Wudu, unfortunately, again, it's something that we do so quickly without internalizing its spiritual meanings. When you make wudu, I'll give you some tips. When you wash your hands, internalize the fact that your hands have sinned and, ya Allah, I want to Cleanse my my hands from the sins of the hands, and then when you, you know, do mudmala, um, what do they call it? Like you know, water, whatever. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. When you gargle, yeah, it's cleansing, cleansing of your the sins of the tongue, all the bad things you've said to people, all the mess, all the lies, all the promises you've broken. All the humiliating things you've said to your housemaid. You're cleansing yourself from these sins of the tongue. And then the nose. You're, cl- you're, you're asking Allah, Ya Allah, I want to smell this this the scent of Jannah, not the scent of, not the smoke of the hellfire. And then the face, Ya Allah, make my face lit up on the day of judgment. Don't make it of the face of those who will be darkened. And then your arms. Ya Allah, I want to be of the people who receive their book in the right hand, not of the people who want to, be, to receive the book in the left hand. And then your head, Ya Allah, cleanse my mind from all these evil thoughts. Ya Allah, purify my mind. Make me someone who's optimistic. And then your ears, Ya Allah, purify my ears from all evil things that will harm me. And then your feet, Ya Allah, purify me from going to places which will displease you. You see how you add this element of spirituality? It will transform your wudu. And they say one of the biggest secrets to khushu and salah is preparation. Preparing to meet Allah. And you know, Ali bin Abi Talib's uh, son, they say when he used to make wudu, his face would turn, like his face, his color would change. People would see him and be like, what's happening to you? Why wudu? So he would say, you know, I'm meeting Allah now. How do you want me to feel? So this, they're preparing for khushu even before salah, subhanAllah. Okay? And this idea of preparing in terms of your dress. Ya Bani Adam, khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjidin. Allah's telling us, when you go to a masjid, beautify yourselves. Right? Wear the best clothes. And have the nicest smells. Right, nowadays you see people going in their pajamas, and, you know, uh, their bad breath, and their stinking clothes, and, you know? So go with your beauty. Prepare. Just like when, you know, if, if the king of Bahrain invited you to his palace for a one-on-one meeting, how would you dress up? The best clothes, you probably go shopping the day before, right? You go to the salon, you do shopping, you get a manicure, pedicure, everything for that meeting, right? And he's going to he's give you five minutes of a time. And if you're late, he probably won't let you in, right? Or he might cancel last minute. Correct or no? So beautify yourself. That's part of prayer. And then you say, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Here you're declaring your sincerity to Allah. Ya Allah, I'm praying for you, Ya Allah, in your name. And let me give you a small tip. You know how we're supposed to say, Bismillah, before we drink? Bismillah, before we start anything? Bismillah, before we sign a check? Bismillah, before you start a football match, right? Bismillah is actually you reminding yourself of sincerity to Allah. Ya Allah, I'm doing this for you, therefore, please accept this for me. You're renewing your sincerity. And sincerity is ikhlas. It's basically cleansing your Niya, your intention from being corrupted. Because, you know, there's this khushu' al-nifaq, they call it, the, the hip, hypocr- hypocrisy uh, khushu'. Where, you know, uh, you're praying normally and then someone walks by and you're like, all of a sudden, you know, you do this and you start doing this. This is the khushuah of the hypocrites. Right? And so beware of this. You want to pray for Allah? You don't want to please anybody. You don't want to show off for anybody. And Allah says in Surah Al-Inshirah, so beautiful, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فرغب. When you are free, empty your mind, and then fansab, and then come and stand in prayer. Don't come to prayer with all these things in your mind. Afrugh first. Empty your mind. Then come and be present with me. So this idea of being present, right? Reminding yourself, stop, tell your mind, tell Shushu to shut up. He's going to keep telling you to think about the past and the future and she said this and she said that and how come he said this? Tell them to shut up and be present. Empty your mind and then fansab, and then stand. And then alhamdulillah, like we said, be present, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Accept everything Allah has given for you. By the way, everything Allah does for you, there is good in it for you. Take this as an advice for me. Everything that, happen, that has happened in your life that you think is bad for you, there is good in it for you. Accept it. Stop resisting it. Stop resisting the difficulties and, and sufferings in your life. There is something good in it. And we learn from Musa, alayhis he was the classic resistor, right, when it came to Khudr. In Surah Al-Kahf, Allah teaches us the lesson of resistance. Khudr, السلام, broke salam, made a hole in the boat. What did Musa do? Resist. Khidr salam, killed a boy. What did Musa a.s. do? Resist. Lastly, you know Khidr a.s. built the wall. Musa resisted. How come he didn't ask for a compensation? What did Khidr a.s. do? Ended the relationship there. He cannot teach Musa a.s. anymore because he's resisting. He's not accepting. That story is about teaching us about acceptance. Accept that yes, in the outside it may seem evil, or difficult. Let's say you got divorced. It's, it's, in the outside, it seems difficult, but there is some good in it. Accept it and move on. Don't stay in the past. This idea of being content with what you have. Be happy. When you say, alhamdulillah, you, you should be smiling in your salah, by the way. And you should be in Darussalam. No point in being upset or sad. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And then Al-Rahman ar rahim reminding us of this unconditional love. Again, this is programming now happening in Salah, okay? As you're reciting, Al-Rahman ar rahim Al-Rahman comes from the root of the womb. The root word is Rahim, the womb of the mother, which reminds you of the loving care of the mother and the mercy and the connect, connection between the baby and the mother with the umbilical cord, right? Everything is connected, and everything is in order. The baby's getting its food on time, its drink on time, its sleeping, everything is protected and in order. That is how Allah's relationship is with us. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. And what, is Shushu's, what does Shushu want to do? The complete opposite. He wants you to be hating, never being forgiven, not being merciful, being someone who never doesn't for, forgive. He doesn't want to connect, he wants to disunite. He wants to break relationships apart. The biggest accomplishment for shaitan is divorce. They celebrate this victory. And order, shaitan wants your life to be chaos. He wants people to be stuck in traffic, there's no law, no order, people are fighting with one another. He wants your bedroom, bedroom to be messy, he wants your desktop to be messy. He doesn't want order in your life. Allah's system is a Rahmani system, a Rahman al-Rahim. And graduality. The Rahman Rahim teaches us graduality. It takes nine months for the baby to come out. Shaitan wants things to happen quick. Instant. Right? Instant. He doesn't want you to wait. And then, Allah is the ultimate judge. You have no right to judge anybody. Stop judging people based on their looks and their appearances. Wallahi, this is one of the biggest crimes in the Qur'an. No jokes, really. One of the biggest and most serious crimes in the Qur'an is judging others. And if you're doing this, you're going to attract major, major problems in your lives. Seriously, and so many people are, are attracting this without even knowing, because they think judging is adi, ah, adi. Stop judging people and Malik Yawmideen, he's the owner of the Day of Judgment. He is the owner of everything, the law of abundance. Also, Malik Yomedeen should remind you of accountability. That Ya Allah, I'm accountable. And then Iya iyyaka this is interesting and very important. Ya Allah, we only worship you. And you know, when it comes to our life, we've sometimes compartmentalized our life. My health, my kids, my work, my You know, time for myself, my entertainment, my community service. What's being, you know, um, given a higher focus here? My, 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 my. What are you indirectly doing to yourself? Ego. You're inflating yourself. So what do you do? Stop talking about my, 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 me, 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 I, I, I. It's all about Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And spirituality is not a compartment in your life. Spirituality is your core. Remember, ruh is your core. And therefore, without ruh, you're dead. Spiritually dead. And yes, you have kids, you have job, you have health, all these things that you need to care, take care of, but you do it out of to Allah. So you want to be a good husband, Because you're Abdullah. You want to take care of your your health and go to the gym and eat healthy food because you're Abdullah. You want to be a good community member because you're Abdullah. You want to read and feed your mind and educate yourself because you're Abdullah. You want to cook good food because you're Abdullah. You want to take care of your kids because you're Abdullah. The center focus is Allah. And how many roles do you have to manage in your life? How many roles are its it eight roles? No, that's difficult. It's like juggling. You're going to mess up. Just one role: Iya Kanabud, the role of Abdullah. That's it. It's simple. All the prophets they came with this one message: Worship Allah, worship Allah, worship Allah. They never gave lectures about parenting, about cooking, about health, go to the gym, about you know, uh, earning money, and they never gave these lectures. Why? Because once you get this role straight, everything else falls in place. And then this is in tr- very interesting also, Iyyaka na'bud. You know how human beings, they have this need for all these things, right? Money, health, wealth, relationships, and love. For the disbeliever, the focus is these materialistic things. But iya na'bud reminds you that my focus is not these things, it is Allah. But Allah's promise is that when you focus on me, I will give you all these things in the process. These are the perks that come with this relationship. These are the benefits of this relationship. So yes, we all love money, we all love health and relationships, and we all want love in our relationships. But we don't aim for these things. These are worldly things. We aim to, to please Allah, to get closer to Allah. And Allah promises us, وَمَن اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يحتسب. Whoever protects, protects, him, uh, protects himself for Allah's sake, Allah will, opens, Allah will open the, all the unlocked doors in their life and He will you know, provide them from places they can never imagine. And Allah says in another ayah, ولو أن أهل القرى آمنوا واتقوا لفتحنا عليهم بركات من السماء والأرض. If, it, if only the people believed, we